Hello, hello. Well, hello. My name is Allie. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm Nick, and my pronouns are he, him. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 17 of Tabula Rasa, bitches. We're so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here in Tabula Rasa, bitches. Your two co-hosts discuss and dissect Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We stumble over our words sometimes, too a show that bonded them together so many years ago. In this episode, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 17, Passion. As usual, we'll do our best to avoid spoilers beyond this episode, but we will be discussing today's episode, spoilers and all. And woof, there are some spoilers, so if you haven't done your watching, and you'd like to, go and come back. It's a big one. Yeah, big one. Big up. So... Angelus continues to torment our poor Buffy, leaving drawings of her sleeping on her bed at night. Giles promises to find a spell to revoke Angelus's invitation to her house, and in the meantime, he urges her not to let Angel get under her skin. Things between Jenny and the Scoobies are starting to mend, but for now, Jenny and Giles are still awkward. At Spike's lair, Angelus taunts the paralyzed Spike by flirting outrageously with Drew. Drew regrets a pr- premonition and realizes that Jenny has found a spell to re- restore Angelus' soul. Angelus' stalking continues to escalate as he harasses Joyce. He tells Joyce that he and Buffy made love. Ugh. Just that phrase. Ugh. Yeah, he tries he to did. follow yeah. Joyce into the summer's home. I didn't know of a better way to, because I don't want to say. I mean, they... it's the words. It's the words he uses. Yeah. So, and when he and part of why it's ugh, is the way he says it just makes it. It just makes it sound like anything but about love. Anyway, (laughs) uh, but Buffy and Willow have just completed the uninviting spell. Angelus goes to Sunnydale High, where Jenny is translating the spell onto a floppy disk, throwback, and kills her. Giles returns to his apartment to find Jenny's body laid out on his bed. Giles seeks revenge and savagely beats Angelus with a flaming baseball bat. But Angelus is too strong for him and almost kills Giles before Buffy saves him. At school the next day, Willow is covering class for Jenny, and in a shuffle of papers, the floppy disk with the spell falls down the side of Jenny's desk. This summary adapted from Buffy Guide. God damn it, that fucking disk. I know, I know. Just like from the start of the episode, I was just like... Also, like, uh, so so much, so much. Okay, so episode starts off, we're at the bronze, the gang is having a good time. We've got a uh, creepy voiceover from Angelus. Uh, Buffy has some good sexy music. That's my first Yeah, time. this scene feels very sultry to me. And it's made, it is, it is kind of cute until Angel's, Angelus's. I'm going to use the two interchangeably, even though we know that Absolutely. this is Angelus. Um, and yeah, the, the creepy monologue as he's stalking Buffy. I... In researching this episode, I found out that the monologue that he ends up saying throughout the episode um, is different than the one that was originally in the script. I didn't compare them line by line, but I thought that was interesting that at some point the monologue had changed. Yeah. Okay. And did it say in your in your research, did it say um, like, is that is is that a passage from something or is that something that was written for the show? It's just Angelus pontificating. Ooh, that is also a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I mean, I think, so there's another episode that has a similar voiceover that I was thinking about, but they make it very clear 
that it's from a book. Mm. Like it's very clear in the episode, the voiceovers from a book. Um, so monologue I feel like itself is done something similar. Is pretty uh, poetic, evocative. Absolutely. What's the right word? So I wouldn't be surprised if it yeah. is some if, if it is from something. Yeah. So something I found really interesting with this scene was that we see. I mean, it's a beautiful contrast between creepy Angela's stalking and Buffy and the Scoobies having a nice time, a nice night out. I don't know if Buffy's putting on a brave face, but like, remember when they were dating, she always knew when he was in the room. Yeah. Even if he had like stealthy poofed out of the room, she would still like look over her shoulder and be like, hmm, thought I felt something. So, well, it's and when so, they leave, so strange. they walk right by right past him. Angel killing a girl. So, I don't know if the yeah. Slayer vibes are. Or, or maybe it's just sort of like. Maybe a little bit theatrical, in just for for this moment to show that contrast, just to that, you know, the same way in a musical, somebody's like off in the side on the side singing, and we're just like all pretending we're not in the same room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Or maybe, I don't know. Maybe maybe he gives off uh, different vibrations or something, and so she's not sensing it. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I think there might be something to it there. Is he somehow managing his aura a little differently? I don't know. Yeah, or, or or maybe she's just like willfully turning it off to try to blow off some steam. Yeah, yeah, she because she has talked about how she isn't ready to kill him yet and how that changes at the end of this episode. But mm-hmm. yeah, there could be, yeah, who knows? Listeners, chime in, chime in with what you think. Yeah, I would love to hear opinions. I definitely don't have anything definitive. Just found it interesting. So Buffy is in her room. She's going to sleep. She turns out the light and we see Angel outside of her window. And then... Great shot. Yeah, this uh, this thing is continuing where Angel's creepy as fuck. He's in her room. <laughs> he's stroking her face. I feel like the show is doing a really good job of doing that showing, not telling thing where... Mm-hmm. where it's leading the audience to the natural conclusion that things are heating up between the two of them and there needs to be some sort of resolution or um, right. it, it's showing that things are really coming to a head. Yeah, definitely menacing. I, I definitely had a silly thought. Um, I don't know how much you watched uh, the Amanda Bynes movie, She's the Man. Oh, I love um, that movie. But when you see him outside outside the window, I just immediately heard, I see you through your window <laughs> as I'm standing on the tree outside. I might have to watch that movie this weekend, Ellie. That's a good oh, one. Such a good movie. So, um, Also, Buffy... is, Gerla, is Gerla not closing and locking her window anymore? Okay. Or, I... or are we just to believe that like Angela snaps the lock off? Or Listen, Buffy has been counseled before by her mom to not sleep with the windows open, which makes sense for a variety. I mean, not just for predator reasons, but also for regulation of air conditioning or heat. If, if the AC is running and windows are open, that's going to be really expensive. And 100%. Times are tough. Keep, keep your yeah. windows closed and locked, folks. She, this is a single income household. Yeah, come on. And that's a big old house that they're whatever i guess times were different maybe whatever the but i um, also i do also have a feeling that like a measly window window lock wouldn't be enough for angelus but i would have loved to see just like a little 
sign of him snapping the lock or something. Because, like, because you know, she doesn't have a screen, so it's not like he has to, like, pull that out. Oh, yeah, you bugs, know, that too. Get... That's another issue I have with yeah. windows. Being but open. she can't have the screen because she uses that, that window to sneak in and out of the house when she has to go slaying. Mm. So you can take screens also... out. They're they're replaceable. I guess they're allowed if you if do she, that. If you had to do that every single time. I think you're underestimating how much I hate bugs. <laughs> oh, no, I get, I get it. I, in a fit of teen angst, took out the screen in my childhood bedroom so that I could sneak out the window. <gasps> and, then, and then I, I mean, I didn't even sneak out, like, out, out. It was just that, like, I didn't want to walk past my parents because I didn't want to talk to them. So I just, like, sat on the shed roof. And just like sat there. What? <laughs> yeah. So, so you just hung out on your roof? Yeah. Did they know about Cause, it? Because there's a shed right under the window. Yeah. No, they like literally, they were looking for me everywhere. Because I, I could hear them. And they even stepped outside onto the deck and just didn't look up. So you and knew, you knew for that for whatever reason, you knew that they were looking for like, you. They were wondering where you were and you saw them looking for you and you were like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit here. Right. Well, because I was like, well, <laughs> bitch, did you even look at because it's like, A, look up or B, clearly you're not going into my room because then you would have seen the window open. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I and I don't again, it's just, I don't even know what the fuck I was angsting about. But I was just like, they're not, they're not going to work hard enough to find me. I'm not going to help them. <laughs> oh, that is know. so classic and funny. I love that. Thank yeah, you for so sharing dumb. that. I mean, I used, to, I used to chill out on that, that uh, shed roof quite a lot. Although that was the one and only time I used my window to get there because it was just high enough that it was like kind of a drop. But there was a railing on the deck, so I could just step on the railing and then step on the shed roof. Sounds a little dangerous. Mm. I mean, I was fine. You are. I'm glad for it. Also, that was like 15 years ago, so the railing was far more stable than it is now. Okay. Well, just for the future, Allie, don't <laughs> hang out on roofs for me, please, because we're old now and fragile. <laughs> fine. Fair enough. So I, before we get farther into the story, I think I have my only question for Allie right now. Okay. Buffy is sleeping on her back. How do you sleep at night? On my side. I'm a side sleeper too. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I like want to snuggle up on my stomach, but it always hurts my neck. So I always end up changing sack to my side. I am a side sleeper for the sole reason of spooning my dog. No. Oh. Yeah, I mean, even when I'm, yeah, even when I'm by myself, I, I side sleep. I don't get people who can just like be peaceful sleeping beauty sleeping on their back. Like I know it's what technically what's best for us, but I, I can't. No, it's monstrous. Yeah. I don't get how you sleep that way. So Buffy wakes up and there's a sketch of her. Yikes. Really good sketch. Yeah, it is. I have never, I've tried sketching you while you sleep, Allie, but it's never been good enough to leave. <laughs> Um, Buffy is debriefing about that's a joke listeners just to be clear uh, she's Buffy is debriefing with Giles in the library and everybody is rightfully a little spooked Xander and Cordelia are there they establish that once a vampire has been invited in they can come in at any time um, the 
yeah, Cordelia is like, oh no, he can get in my car. And j- this joke that Xander makes about vampires never chipping in for gas, I just want to say yep. the joke hits differently during 2020. This is late 2022, friends, where gas <laughs> is really expensive right now. <laughs> and those guys never chip in for gas. <laughs> it is a, It is an interesting thing. It kind of comes up in this episode, this idea of like, where do vamps need permission and where don't they? And like Angel gives justification later in the episode for why he's able to go into the school. But like no one's asking why Drusilla is able to get into the shop. But it's like, so do cars count enough as your domain? Like, would it even be an issue? I know, obviously, Cordelia is very concerned. Um, I I enjoyed Jay- Xander poking fun at her for that because it's, deservingly so um really not, not the about point you here Cordelia. Not a, not, yeah really not about you right now hon. Uh, until you find a picture of yourself uh, i think you can calm down in your car yeah 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 that's a good question where is public and private property i mean i guess there there's some kind of i mean because clearly in this world magic is real supernatural is real so i guess there is a certain amount of it's the weight you put on it. So like if I designated that factory my home, that whole factory, like would they have to then ask permission? I feel like like with abandoned buildings, they don't have to ask permission. There's some magical person reviewing tax records and he's like, okay, if you didn't pay taxes here, then it's public and they don't need an invitation. I it's feel like just, that's what happens. It's just a giant switchboard and it's just <laughs> invite, yeah. no invite. Yeah. And yeah. it's just some, some demon somewhere. That's his job to focus on this worldwide switchboard. And he can just tell like, <laughs> oh, these people moved out. House is abandoned. All right. Switch flipped. <laughs> oh, this this building was converted into a, sh- a, a you know, supermarket. Well, that's public to everybody. So, okay, all right. Oh, well, this is a gated community. So, okay, all right. Oh, gated communities too. That's another layer of nuance. Yeah. Does he have to be invited through the gate? Or is it just the threshold? This is far too complicated. (laughs) Yeah. So Pointless line of thinking. uh, Jonathan and one of his friends walk (laughs) into the library looking for a book, and everybody is shocked that somebody wants a book at the library. This is a school library, Xander. Since when? This this is the first time, according to my research, since Owen during season one, when a student has come in looking for a book. Well, while the Scoobies were there. While the Scoobies were there, yeah. Because there are times when they're in class, and presumably people are And there's just a line out the door waiting for... God damn it. Waiting for books. People are always monopolizing that study table, the one table. To study in. <laughs> oh man. So the so I so so Giles is explaining kind of a Buffy is is freaking out, understandably, and Giles is like, dude, you just kind of have to, you know. So the classic teacher approach to a bully is just, oh, just ignore him, and they'll they'll go away. And Xander, in his infinite wisdom, goes, ah. The nana 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 approach to battle, and you know it's not wrong. No, yeah. So 
Buffy is like, I have to tell my mom something. I worry for her safety. And Giles says, no, don't do that. The previous guest of the pod, Jordan, has now, uh, I think, watched all of season two, but has was texting me throughout being like, why can't Joyce know anything I don't understand? And uh, I th- I think I'm I'm not super clear why why uh, I've, had the, I've had this thought too of just like lie better yeah like yeah you don't have to tell and she she does later on but it was like you you can have a creepy ex and not tell her that it's a vampire or you can say that he's like kind of dangerous but again not say that he's a vampire. Like, there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, or she could have, like, I don't know, invented some club or something. And there are hints, try not to spoil, but there are hints that maybe she's tried to tell her parents before and that it did not go well. There are? Mm hmm. Uh, that's not coming to mind for me right away. Comes it comes in later, and so yeah, that is a spoiler beyond this episode. Oh but, yeah, so there is, and when there, yeah, yeah, when yeah, you're right. I know what you're thinking yeah. about. So now. there, there is a there is a later thing that's like yeah, that is I true. did tell them. I did try to have full disclosure, but cur- currently she hasn't tried. But again, I feel like maybe talk to Willow about her, you know, cover story skills <laughs> because she's got Willow it down. Willow thinks of them quick. Yeah, she thinks of them quick, and they're believable. So it's just like I. I do. I agree with you that she could have found a way to tell people of some kind of internship. And I've said, I think I've said this before that like Giles needs to like I don't know he needs to give her a hand of like oh yeah he needs to help. She's out here a interning bit. with me or something. Like come on, dude, like lend a hand. Um, during this conversation when she's talking about uh, you know what do I tell my mom and Giles like don't tell her. I actually love this because this is probably I love this quote because it's probably the same way I would feel about it. Honestly, Xander says, yeah, the more people know the secret, the more it cheapens it for the rest of us. <laughs> You're ruining the specialness of the club if anybody can get into the club. Uh, I was. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I promised you I wouldn't Xander Slater. So I'm going to just leave that. Well, also, also, I think. You know, Xander brings the comic relief, not just for us, the audience, but for his friends. That's true. It did cut the tension. Willow has a few of those two yeah. where she cuts the tension with some good humor. I yeah. think that Xander might have been being a little honest there. I don't know if he was totally joking. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it might have been a, a partial thing. I'm like, I can't tell, you can't just tell everybody. You can't tell everybody. The exclusivity, that the, this life-threatening exclusivity is good. Right. I'm I f- I don't feel like such a loser because I'm in this like really special club. Giles has a line during this exchange that I really like. He so um he's saying that Buffy can't tell her mom and he says, "I know how hard this is for you." And Buffy gives him this look and he goes, "All right, I don't." Yes, Giles. I ha- good self-awareness. I had, that, I had that I had that same thing written down too. Because, yeah, I, I thought that was really nice. It's actually, it's kind of an evolution because there have been times when he just, like, talks to her, like, oh, she, well, sh- just boys, like, all your care about boys and stuff like that. And so it's definitely showing some uh, some more emotional awareness and a little bit of growth on Giles' part, dealing with a, a teenage slayer. 
that I thought that was really nice. We love a growth moment. We do. Um, so are we at Giles talking with Jenny? We're j- slightly before that. So okay. Willow is in Jenny's class. Jenny says she wants the assignment as a paper copy and on a disc, which is nice foreshadowing. I had this moment where, so Jenny then asks Willow to cover her class the next day. And I had this okay. moment where I was like, that's completely unrealistic for a high school student to be teaching fellow high schoolers in high school. But then I remembered back and Allie, you basically taught an entire unit. You directed, you took on substantial leadership for a yeah, but theater that was class part in of, high school. That was part of an official program. Seniors got to t- take on. I, it was an optional thing you could you could participate in, but you there was internship internship opportunities or mm-hmm. intern mentor whatever. So like that was part of like a recognized thing. But I mean, also I wonder if it has to do with the newness of the topic. Oh, that's of of, te- of technology. Like not just yeah. any other teacher could cover for her. You know. And also, That's I mean, very interesting. I think and I, I also think that Willow, Willow Rosenberg probably has a reputation at the school. So, and again, it's not just like, hey, any student cover for me. I think like, like if Snyder heard that Willow was covering for her, he'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I bet Snyder would trust Willow. Yeah. Okay. Now we're at the conversation between Jenny and Giles. So it's a little fraught. Um, Jenny is I think ni- nice and gently, but you know, uh, persistently saying how how sorry he is, and all she wants to do is make it up to them. Which, given how this episode ends, it comes off a lot like when a character is like, "Yay, I finally get to retire next month," and you're like, "Oh, bud, right? Well, now now you're gonna die." Yeah, this isn't gonna go well. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but she has she said something that I was like. She says, I was raised by the people that Angel hurt the most. Uh, the most? He hurt, Are you sure? He he hurt a lot of people. Yeah. Like, a lot of people. I mean, I know it always feels different when it's you or, like, someone you know. But I'm like, uh, there's probably, like, countries he hurt more than you. And maybe maybe it's just that we haven't heard enough about this incident with her with her people because like with drusilla we know that he taunted her tormented her much like he's doing with buffy he we know that he killed drusilla's family we know that that's his mo but all we ever hear about this romani tribe is that they killed their princess that's it yeah without additional context the audience is left being like can y'all get over it right that was like centuries ago. And I'm sorry. That really sucks. But wow. Right. Y'all That's are doing still doing a lot of work for this. Exactly. Man. And I mean, I, I'm also just someone that like, I, I don't know, like holding grudges or like, I, I it takes a lot to get me upset. So maybe it's just like me not getting that instinct. It's like when people are competitive over stuff. I'm like, wow, you care so much. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. <laughs> but I mean, I guess if you think of like Hatfields and McCoys, like that was over something that you or I would probably think was stupid. Just like some some 
farmer stole my pig and ran off with my daughter. And you're like, all right, calm yourself. Sometimes when I watch Game of Thrones, I'm like, can we all just collectively agree <laughs> to turn the page, please? Yeah. Can we just, everyone just take a, take a breath. So this scene, I find I Jenny is really vulnerable here with Giles. She says um, she loves him. Giles is super struck. And I feel like, Allie, you and I have beat this point to death. But Giles then basically implies that Jenny still owes an apology or something to Buffy. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to be like, can we all just collectively... Move on, please. Jeez, right. what like, are you still says, punishing like, this woman Jenny's for? He's like, I know you feel betrayed. And he's like, yeah, that's what happens when someone betrays you. I was like, did she, did she really? Did she really betray you? Right. Yeah. Like, I, it just Yeah, we're not it, defending it sound, everything right. she did. But it's like, she didn't. Right. It makes it sound like she was a double agent or something like that. Like, yeah, there was information that she did not, was not forthright with, but she didn't contradict or lie. Like, yeah, okay, they didn't get her full family name or, or, you know, her whole genealogy, but, like, maybe we weren't there yet. And, yes, she was was sent here to, to watch Buffy, keep an eye on Buffy and Angel. But, again... What can you point to that she specifically sabotaged them? Nothing. Jenny's been done dirty. Yeah, I I agree. Not to, you know, I'm always I'm almost always team Giles. Love you Giles and I like I get being hurt, but betray seems like just such a strong word for what went down. Go ahead. And she she didn't know the whole story. Right. Yeah, she also didn't she was have in the, dark. the full context herself. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I think they all just need, like, a little bit more perspective. But I get that, like, things are raw. And you know what? And I get Buffy holding the grudge. She's 17. Okay. But, like, Giles, you're much older. You're wiser. You're more worldly. Mm-hmm. You, you, I, I was hoping for something in this of, like, Buffy still wants an apology. But between you and me, yeah, we're cool. Mm-hmm. So it's now evening and we're at, we're at Willow's. Willow and Buffy are on the phone. Yeah. So Buffy and Joyce did have their a little bit of a conversation where Buffy was like, just so you know, that X thing didn't go well. That yes. was quick though. But yeah, then we're at Willow's. Yeah. They're talking. Yeah. 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 So I, because I was going to have a note about like, Buffy, why don't you just like tell her you have a bad X? And that's exactly what she does. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, she kind of downplays it, but I, I was like, you could tell her that he's, like, being creepy and dangerous and stuff. But then I was like, well, well, then Joyce might try to, like, go to the police or something like that. And it's like, well, that isn't helpful. She can't go to the police with this. That's not going to – that's just going to get more people hurt. So, um, yeah, I get I get why she downplays it. But yeah, so Buffy and Willow are talking on the phone – um, Willow is always being a good friend. Uh, I wrote down the quote, I swear, men can be such jerks, dead or alive. <laughs> so sure, Willow. So sure. Willow has a few of those really good lines in this episode where it just cuts the tension so well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's 
simultaneously super appropriate and then also like kind of funny. I love it. So uh, Willow is feeding her fish and she turns around and she sees an envelope on her bed and she opens it and it's the dead fish, which means Angel has also been stalking Willow. He is such a flair for the dramatic. (sighs) Yeah. So and you know, a very understandable thing, but uh, Willow goes over to Buffy's. I think that's really sweet. Just I I love that. It's what I would have wanted to do. You know, just go be with your friends. Be anything but alone. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, Buffy and her sat- her matching satin PJs. Super cute. Has a little ra- lace ruffle on the collar. Love it. Um, and then Willow says something really poignant. They're talking about, about Angelus, Angel, whatever. And she's like, I just, I can't believe it's the same person. And Willow says... Something, something about like, well, some things haven't changed. And Buffy's like, what? And she says, you're still the only thing he thinks about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she is. And it, it is like really weirdly romantic. Very strangely romantic. It's like the same thought process that feels horrible when you know the like feelings and motivations behind it. Like, right. you could be the only thing somebody thinks about, and it's really sweet, or you could be the only thing somebody thinks about, and it's really not good. Yeah, it reminds me of this YouTuber I love who, she keeps doing these, um, she does these little sketches, and it's like, you get kidnapped by a serial killer, but your kink is torture, or whatever, and it's basically this, the, the kidnapped person keeps annoying the serial killer out of being captured, and the most recent one was a super romantic person gets kidnapped. And so the person's like, so I just want to know, like, what made you choose me? <laughs> like, and he's like, I don't know, you were just there. She's like, oh, so it was like a heat of the moment kind of thing. He's like, what? It's like, so, I mean, just like out of everyone at the mall, you picked me. And he's just like, all right, whatever. You're being weird. You're make, you're ruining this. You can go free. She's like, you know what? You're right. If you love something, set it free. <laughs> yeah, just gaslight your kidnapper. That's good. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. It's you know, you don't even need to learn uh combat self-defense. Just just annoy them until they get get rid of you. Yeah. Yeah, helpful tip for everyone. Yep, there you go. So I think we're in the factory. Um Drew yes. break Drew. Drew brings a puppy to Spike to eat and Spike is just super not happy and he eventually says that it's childish but even this is another showing not telling thing as Drew is talking about the puppy named Sunshine it just feels (laughs) so patronizing and all I'm saying is Spike brought Drusilla fresh humans to eat and Spike gets a freaking puppy and justice for Spike I mean, but I think in Drew's mind, a puppy's even better. No, Drew doesn't give a shit about Spike. I guess not. I don't know. I guess that's her being sadistic with it being like a puppy. It's not even like a full-size dog. Like, what kind of meal is that really going to be? Yeah. 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 Um, But what I don't get about this whole situation, because we know at this point that he can stand, right? 
he is keeping that from have we seen that did we see him stand at the end of the episode yet this is what this is where me knowing the show too well kind of gets in the way because i don't remember i just i don't i can picture him standing up after like they leave and they're like oh yeah so you just keep the house warm you know keep i think that that's the the end of becoming part one i think ah okay because that, be that, we'll that was my question. I was just like, well, what's the whole point of this faking it? I don't get it. Yeah. And certainly there's a period of time where Spike can stand and he's concealing it from right. Drew and Angel. And I don't think that we get a great answer for why he is hiding him getting stronger. Yeah. I guess it's just. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't even I can't even theorize because I. I if he's clearly so bothered about the way that they're talking about him and, you know, Angel keeps horning it on Drew and in this, in this episode, he makes it sound like they're definitely fooling around. Like, oh, you know, yeah, hey, yeah. He basically says, Angel basically says he's fucking Drusilla. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, don't, I guess, yeah, maybe he really is still, still partially paralyzed. And and needs help because I can't imagine why he would continue to be their whipping post if he could do something about it. I just feel so protective about Spike in this scene, which is strange because he's a full on villain right now. But yeah, just the way that I know I I have a note about I have a note about it later. I'll, oh, good. I'll, I'll so um, so Drew says something like, "You two boys fighting over me and all." Fuck you, Drusilla. And then she gets a premonition about incoming doom or something is about to happen. She gets her, you know, clairvoyance comes in. Yep. Yep. And we see Jenny going into a magic store. She gets an orb of Thessula, which I have found replicas of online that I'm just like, why, Allie? It's why I don't own one myself because I'm like, it's not like the necklace replica that like I can wear that. Or like the coat that Hot Topic had that I have now. That's like, yeah, I can wear that. Like that contributes. That's something useful. If I got myself an orb of Sassula, like it literally would just be a paperweight. Well, it'd be a nifty you would think of Buffy every time you look at it. I love little trinkets. Come on. That's true. That's true. I'm just gonna return your Christmas present now, Allie. Man, you don't want (laughs) I'll keep the paperweight. I clearly don't have one. I clearly don't have one. I have a no I also don't I also don't get paperweights. I mean, like, is every did everyone used to be in windy offices? Yeah, I don't understand. I have little trinkets sitting on my desk, but they're not right. Like, I get statues and stuff because they're paper doesn't just move by itself. I mean, I guess if you're dealing with like big stacks of paper, but then wouldn't I don't know? Maybe the I need everybody to remember this costume that Jenny is wearing. Um, Oh, that that floral print top and skirt oh we're gonna see that costume in years to come are we yep yep she's yep i can't say anything else but it will come back stylistically or the same outfit the same outfit huh is this like something you learned from trivia or something that you had noticed yourself i Thought that I remembered it when I saw her walk into the shop. Mm-hmm. I have not verified it. And we know that I have the memory of 
Willow's dead goldfish. So <laughs> I'm saying this as if it's an undeniable fact when it could totally be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that we are going to see that exact costume that she dies in again. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to have to talk with you about it off mic because it sounds like maybe that was just like the wardrobe department being like, Psh, no one will notice. This is a cute outfit. Oh, no, I thought it was very intentional. I thought oh, that it. okay. No, I thought that I thought that the wardrobe department was like, oh, she died in this. So we're going to keep the, like this is the last outfit she wore. So this is how she's going to appear later. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. OK, uh, so. Clearly, this uh, run to the magic shop was a early preschool thing because we see Jenny arriving at school. Willow is very disappointed that she won't get to teach the yeah. work home. <laughs> yeah. Buffy power walks over to Jenny. She's clearly conf- conflicted about her, her own feelings and what, what to say. Um, <laughs> she says, I know you feel badly about what happened, and I just wanted to say, good. Keep <laughs> it up. <laughs> Buffy. I remember watching this show growing up and watching characters have this chip on their shoulder that they carried with them throughout. And then it somehow sent me the message that I could also have a chip on my shoulder for things. (laughs) But but I had never been in the same experience, obviously, where somebody died or somebody's decision ended up getting somebody else murdered. So I think what happened is I just decided that I was going to keep all this chip on my shoulder for stupid shit. And I was like, but they did it in Buffy, so it's fine. You know what? That explains a lot about your personality. Honestly. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks, Ali. Really appreciate that. <laughs> it does. It just it, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's really funny because you, I, you're the person I go to with my most bitter, nasty thoughts, and you know we just we share that, and it makes sense that that's lovely to hear that that that's the connecting point of like, well, Buffy said it's fine. I love our immunity necklaces. Oh, we we're just always wearing them. I whenever whenever you say whenever you text me something along the lines of you have to forget I said this or can I say something really bad or I'm just like yes you can that is the best way to start out a conversation ever (laughs) just like a just a couple of golems talking shit that's us (laughs) one day when this show is huge and we have like all these raving fans i want someone to do fan art of the two of us as golems gossiping. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little a little speech bubble of us like shit talking someone's shoes or something stupid yeah. just being petty yeah but i do i do love i i do love buffy she's clearly self-aware about her con- con- conflicted feelings which is very mature of her um, and saying that, like, we're we're OK, like I'm like, I'm not OK, but you have nothing to like make up to me. And also, it's I think it's really big of her putting her own feelings aside to say, like, you and me, it's whatever. But Giles is lonely and he needs someone. And he misses you. And that's really yeah, this olive that branch she's... that she extends is really mature and nice. Yeah. And, and just like. With all that she is going through, she still has space left to be thinking about somebody else. Mm. Is is lovely. And again, shows 
wisdom and maturity far beyond her years. I would expect nothing less from our dear Buffy. Absolutely. So uh, Buffy walks into school. Giles is there. He's found out how to revoke an invitation for vampires, which is really good news. We learn that Cordelia has swapped cars with her grandma, which Cordelia, oh my God, but grandma, I guess, who cares? I love the, I love to picture Angel like going up to the window and it rolls down and it's not Cordelia. It's and he's not just Cordelia. like taken aback. <laughs> like so, like so stunned he doesn't even kill her. Yeah. Oh, Cordelia, I would also expect nothing less from you. Yep. So they're they're putting up a cross in Willow's bedroom. Uh, Cordy is not being helpful. She's sent home. Um, but they find an envelope with a picture of Joyce. So presumably they rush home. We cut to Joyce arriving back at the house and Angel immediately approaches the car. And okay, I know that he's like creepy, manipulative, he's smart and stuff. So, Angel, what about the way you're talking makes you think Joyce would help you? Like, do you hear yourself? You sound like a psycho. You know that, right? Yeah. So, I I think that might be the point. He is trying to, like, he, he doesn't, he knows that Joyce isn't going to actually help him. He just wants to scare Joyce. And he does that. Okay, that's Um, fair. I like because it seems like he's trying to angle a way into the house. Like he wants Mm -hmm. to, like he wants to gain access to the family. Um, because it sort of seems like you know when a picture shows up, that person ends up dead, or like that's the threat. But yeah, maybe maybe it is the threat of the threat. Maybe he's going for the just like destabilizing, scaring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then if Joyce is scared, that's just going to get to Buffy even more. And that's ultimately his goal, to make Buffy go crazy. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because I I was seeing it as like him trying to get his way into the house. But I'm like, dude, there's no way the way you're talking is going to let her do that. But that that makes sense. That like just fear is, is the whole point. That makes sense. I like this scene to me is so tense and then Joyce drops the bag and she struggles getting the lock in the mm-hmm. um, or getting the key in the lock. And um, she has this she has this moment. So Angel says, I'll die without her. She'll die without me. And Joyce looks at him and goes, are you threatening her? And just it, Joyce not Joyce having no she doesn't know that he has supernatural right. powers, obviously, but he's still but a he big a, dude. And right, just, that's what I was going to say. He's still a big guy. And Joyce just still not being scared, being like, are you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The mama bear is nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, harkens back to uh, the beginning of the season with School Hard when she mm-hmm. kind of pulls, a, kind of pulls mm-hmm. a Ripley and get the hell away from my daughter kind of thing, which mm-hmm. I love. And cl- which also, again, slight spoiler, clearly makes an impression on Spike, which is adorable. Loki, the best relationship in the in the series. Spike and Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. It's Fioral demon. They're, uh, or yeah, no, sorry, no, not sorry. Fioral demon. The chaos yeah. demon. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah sorry. Spoiler, we, guys. Spike's going to be around for a while. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Lucky. Uh, that's a nice spoiler. 
because everybody loves Spike. So Angel tries to follow Joyce in the house, but just they are just completing the uninviting spell, and thank goodness for it. So change the locks. Yeah, Angel or Buffy has this great line. Sorry, Angel, I changed the locks. Fuck you, Angel. Beautiful. Yeah, and I I think some really nice uh, splaining Willow level uh, story making uh, when. Buffy is having the talk with Joyce and she's like, yeah, the Latin spices and stuff. He's just like really superstitious. Um, so that was a nice, nice cover. I don't know how, I don't know if I would have thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's especially like during that time, it's not like today where like every millennial has some crystals and it's like, I'm a witch. Like <laughs> no offense to our <laughs> friends out there, but like, you know who I'm talking about. It's, you know, <laughs> I it was a good cover from Buffy and we're jumping ahead to them debriefing about the fact that Angel yeah the, sorry that the fact that, that Joyce now knows um we I have more to say about that conversation that yes we can have. we can go back to that when the, when we actually get to it okay groovy so Jenny we're at the school and Jenny's on the computer it's late Giles yeah. walks up behind her and the Jenny previews that she might have something exciting to tell Giles soon and she says you know there's this kind of seductive moment where they uh, Jenny's like I'll see you later at like okay. at at his apartment um I'm glad not the only one who picked that up because there was a moment where she like crosses her legs and I was like Oh, that just changed the tone a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She sees an opening. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, looking back probably would have been good if we had, like, given some sort of detail as opposed to just leaving everything, like, I'll tell you later. Like, maybe, maybe tell... Maybe tell him a little bit now, you know, especially considering what's happened. You preface it that you're not sure if it'll work. But like an update, you know, so they know that you're not just like la la la. More communication rather than less is probably a pretty good thing usually. So always, always, except with surprise parties, more more communication is always better. So Giles is like, okay, cool. I'll see you later. He and Jenny is continuing to work. Um, she, it's clear that she has successfully translated whatever she's working on. She puts it on a floppy disk which again lol and she looks up and we see that angel is sitting in the classroom with her which is never a good thing nope nope not never a good thing when you look up and someone's sitting in the dark it's it's never not meant ideal. to be a sweet surprise so uh angel picks up the orb he's like you know what's so the bad part about these things is they're so fragile and he he breaks it. Breaks the orb of Thessala. Yeah, and then he, in his stunning move where he demonstrates his lack of knowledge of how computers work, he smashes the monitor. <laughs> you idiot. And is like, oh, <laughs> now you're screwed. Yeah, no orb and, and no spell. It's like, um, actually, it's just the monitor. You can replace that. All of yeah, the Angel, maybe you should have taken stored. a computer class. Yeah, sorry, bud. You're, you're showing your age a little bit. Yeah. The computer is still there. Oh, oh. man. So Jenny uh, runs away from Angel. She tries yeah, really running, hard. Running towards, she's been back, she's been slowly backing towards the, 
door. And then she makes a dash towards him instead of I didn't know if I was being nitpicky when I noticed that. But yeah, what was the what was Uh, the thinking there? I mean, I guess it was a choreography thing of like, well, she needs to get caught so she can't get too much of a lead on him. Which like, I mean, he's got vamp strength and vamp speed. Like, she's not going to escape him and outrun him anyway. Yeah. It just looked it just looked really dumb that it was like you tried to get because we know from from previous episodes, there's a door on the opposite side of the classroom as well. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay, but so that's you're literally what she's you've towards, positioned yeah. yourself towards the door against. So, yeah, no, door. it was just a yeah. it was just a bad call, I think. Well, clogs that day too, Jenny Calendar. You can't run very quick in those. Bad yeah, move. yeah. Well, you know that that call sheet. You know, if she'd known, she would have planned better. So this death from Jenny is there are a lot of painful deaths in this series. And without spoiling anything, I would say that this ranks among them. This is a hard one. And I think certainly so far, it might be the most painful. Yeah, I think I think it's meant to be for sure. I found myself surprisingly detached. I was not as upset as I thought I would be. But I think that's just because I knew it was happening. I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. So I like didn't get attached because I knew. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, of course they're building everything to like, she's helping. She has the knowledge that they need. She, you know, she, they're putting her up on a pedestal of like the person who wants to be redeemed, you know, can be together with Giles and can solve all the problems. And then of course, you know, can't have all of that. Otherwise we would have no conflict. Yeah. No happiness. Or you can have happiness for just a hot second. But don't only a hot second, because then it leads to ruin. If you've been cursed by Romani people. Yeah, fleeting happiness is the theme of 2022, isn't it? Yeah. Did this get unnecessarily depressing? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Moving on. Um, moving on to an adorable... So, they're, uh, so Giles, um, before he goes home, decides to stop at Buffy's, see how she's doing. And pick up the book. <laughs> And pick, oh, right, right, right. And pick up the book, which, okay. Um, I know Giles isn't Mr. Computer, but why didn't they just photocopy the spell? Yeah, maybe write it down, you know, yeah, so multiple yeah, copies, write it, write, people. Write it down you know. so that everyone can go do it all at the same time. Yeah. Because with Giles that kind of says, thing, time Giles is of the says, essence. I have all of those things. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, literally all you needed was the words. It's not like you needed the physical book. So, yeah, I thought that was a, a misstep for sure. Um, but so Giles goes to get the book. He's talking with Willow about like, oh, well, maybe I should try to go talk to Joyce or intercede. And Willow says, sure. Like, what would you say? He's just like stumbles for a bit. And Willow just opens the door. Yeah. I thought that was really cute. Like, yeah, that sounds yeah, like, the- great. Do you have a plan? Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this cool. moment where we'll Willow is clearly already there, and she's just waiting for Giles to get there too. Yeah. Exactly. Love. Really, the kind of friend you need, who just like no know, knows exactly what you need, knows to deflect the people. That's great. So, 
Okay, we have to talk about this debrief between Buffy and Joyce. Buffy and Joyce are talking about the fact that, so Joyce has learned that Buffy and Angel had sex and it's, and, and they're, and they're just talking about it. This conversation was a roller coaster for me. I was like, yes, Joyce. And I was like, no, Joyce. And then I was like, okay, Joyce, I get it. So the things that I like mm-hmm. is that the concern, her, Joyce's concerns about the, are, are that, are that Buffy slept with a guy who's way older and is clearly mentally unstable. Point for Joyce. Yes, mm-hmm. agree. Yep. We, that's good to not be. Then she says, I just thought you would show more judgment. Okay, not the right thing to say. That's pretty bad. And then she kind of redeems herself because it it's clear that it's like what is what is really behind that is Joyce feels like this thing where Buffy doesn't tell her anything isn't working. And and then and then the scene ends very nicely. There's like there's some humor that breaks the ice and and. And Buffy's like, how was that talk for you? And she's like, I don't know. It was my first. And mm. that was cute. But I don't know what you thought about this scene. So I think this is a, uh, an amazing scene. Um, I think it's it's hard to put myself back in that era, that time when this was like actually released. Um, because, you know, today we have shows like the sex lives of college girls. Like there's we're and, you know, we have big mouth and stuff like that. So. We're getting a lot more comfortable with talking about these things. But I was really surprised when Joyce literally says sex. She uses the word sex. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. That just felt that felt really big to me. I I can forgive that Joyce says that she she thought she would show better judgment or show more judgment. Because, um, yeah, we don't always say the, the right thing in the moment. Um, I think she is still reeling. And so... Speaking off the cuff, I think she certainly could have could have said worse things. Again, mm-hmm, I agree mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it's not like the right thing to say if you had planned it out. But in the moment, I mean, she I think she also gets points for her calm demeanor. She's speaking slow. She's not speaking with anger. Mm-hmm. I think really from the beginning, it does come off as concern. Um, and I kind of you like you pointed out, Buffy says, I can't tell you everything. And Joyce says, how about anything? Which is just, is just true. And I think it's, it's even more about for, for Joyce. It's the lack, it really is the lack of communication. Cause she's like, I, I didn't even know you were dating him. So mm-hmm. I think that is also what makes the sex such a surprise because, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been such a shock if she'd known that she had a serious boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Joyce probably would have seen, you know, some more, family dinners kinds of things and seeing Buffy going out on dates and blah, 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 and maybe like having a homecoming date. And then I think she still maybe would have been like, okay, sex isn't advised, but at least she would have seen it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I actually I actually really like the sex talk because, again, I think the bulk of it wasn't about just the fact that she had sex. It was, I don't like this guy. Mm-hmm. And it was, you're not talking to me. Mm-hmm. And it was, mm-hmm. were you safe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it wasn't about the shame of, oh my gosh, you're having sex. Mm-hmm. That really mm-hmm. wasn't what it was about. So I thought this was actually, in the totality, I think it was a really lovely parent sex talk. And I do think it 
it's really nice when she's like, Doris is like, okay, how was that? Or like, wow, we just, and she, she acknowledges, she's like, wow, I guess that was the talk. And I, lo- I really love that human moment because I think not enough parents admit that they don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what comes with kids getting messed up by their parents is the like pedestal of like, well, it's my mom. Like my mom knows everything. Or, you know, my parent, my mom always told me she knows everything or she mommy knows best, like all all of that kind of pressure. So I think if more parents were like Joyce and said, like, yeah, I don't know everything. This is my first time talking about this. uh, How did I do? I think that that kind of communication is super healthy. That was a spot on analysis, Allie. I uh, agree with you. everything. Thank you. I the, the just last thing I'll highlight is I think especially considering the content, like the 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 timing when this show was aired. Um, you're right. Nowadays, I think conversations about sex between parents and kids would be portrayed differently on TV. I'd say this was extremely progressive the way they did yeah. it for this time, and it even still holds up mostly today. So. Well yeah, I mean, I around, think even, I honestly think even today, this would still be would stick out as a particularly progressive talk. I don't think we've progressed nearly as much as we should have, as we need to. All of that, I think. I think even today on a mainstream cable channel, you know, like like I was saying with Sex Lives of College Girls, that's on HBO. And like Big Mouth is a cartoon and it's on Netflix. This would be totally different if we saw it like this. This ran on Fox and CW. Yeah, right. Is it, this is mainstream television. So if we saw a sex talk like this on like CBS, ABC, any of those big things, I still think it would be kind of kind of ground, groundbreaking and not saying slept with or I can't believe you were with him or just like talking around it, just using the real words. I think it's still a big deal. Hmm. Lovely. Yeah. Well so, done, showmakers. Yeah. Good job. Applause, applause to, to the writers, which I wish I'd, uh, which I wish I'd written down because you deserve to be uh, given a shout out. So, we're at Giles' apartment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Some a beautiful acting moment, watching Giles' face. As he goes up the stairs, the excitement, and then with us not even see, we know what he sees. I mean, because we we can see it coming because we already already know that she's dead. But seeing that face shift is just oh, so heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. That moment where he picks up the rose and he smells it and he smiles. Mm-hmm. Oh man, ah, oh, it's brutal, 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 brutal. I think the I don't know if I don't cinematography the right word the how they do this next part where they're like looking in on different people um getting the news that jenny has died yes. and you can't really hear you can't really hear a whole lot but you can see the devastation and mm-hmm. willow and you can see like joyce come in and comfort and buffy just go stone faced and angel you see angel looking into and he's happy about it just mm-hmm. everything is so devastating and heartbreaking and it's just so so well done it is yeah and i I do think cinematography would be the right word 
um, before we even get to the summer's residence, um, I think it's actually somehow more powerful that it wasn't the bloody scene that her uncle's mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. death was because it's it almost seems more tra- tragic because other than the fact that she's not moving and when you really look, you can see her neck's at an unusual angle, but like it's almost like she could be sleeping or just laying there. Yeah, it's harder to believe because there's no blood at all. It's not like he yeah. you know, snapped her neck and then ripped her open. Like he he just leaves it there, no blood, rose petals around her. Yeah, it's more jarring somehow that it's not very gruesome. Okay. Yeah. Again, he's he is a master torturer, and I do think, like you said, that that moment with Buffy and Willow finding out is just beautiful. I think it's. So well written, so well shot, the way that they react differently. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller totally selling the classic wall sit thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, it, it has become a hallmark of getting bad news or someone being upset, but she she really does sell it, sell that shock, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. And And yeah, of course, Angel came to watch their reactions. He, you know, you can just tell all of the way that he intricately set all of this up because he could tell the time. He just like you can tell he knew the timing of like, okay, well, I got her dead and I put such a sadistic plan. So Xander and Cordelia show up to Buffy's house and Buffy's worried about the rampage that Giles is about to go on. And it turns out she's right to be worried because we then see Giles gearing up himself. Yep, all the rose petals still on the floor, all of that having to having to go back. Um, yeah, and of course, of course, he's doing this. We've seen we've seen Giles try to go saddle up by himself for less, so of yeah. course he's doing this. Um, yeah. We get a lovely quote from uh, from Spike though at the factory. Um, I love a good slaughter as much as the next bloke. But his little pranks will only leave us with one incredibly brassed off Slayer. He's not wrong. Yeah, I I like this point that Spike is making. He's like, it's probably a really bad idea being this sadistic about the Slayer's close friend. Right. Right. Like, we're really poking the bear here. I don't know if this is yeah. going to pan out for us. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's just kind of like an an oddly insightful i guess is is maybe the right word spike just clearly gets buffy you can kind of see that in this moment of like yeah i've killed slayers she is not like those slayers because he mm-hmm. had to go through finding that of like a slayer with friends who saw that coming you know so it's just like really him i i do love him pointing that out of like this is a mistake my man like oh so just as Angel is saying, no, it's going to be fine, whatever, I have it handled, the place uh, lights up in flames. Giles actually has a pretty strong plan. Like, he doesn't just run in half-cocked. Like, he actually, I mean, doesn't. it's it's not like he wins or anything, but he clearly, he came in, uh, guns a-blazing. He has a moment. He's He, he wails on Angel for mm-hmm. a little bit. I kind of like that Spike lets him do it. Spike's like, okay, bye. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Gonna... I love that he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You don't go into the ring until you're tagged in. <laughs> <laughs> he's 
yeah, so Giles, Giles starts off kicking Angel's ass, and then Angel kind of gets his steam back. But then just as just just as he's starting to get his steam back, Buffy pops in. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and of course, Giles gets ass. knocked out again. Um, listeners, I, I think I asked a while back for a running count of how many times Giles has been knocked out. So if you're keeping yeah. tallies, <laughs> add this one. Yikes. Oh, he's, man, that dude's brain. I was, I was going to say, like... He's just applesauce at this point. He's amazingly <laughs> intact. I, it's good that he started out so smart because, woof. He's probably had a couple um, Trivia notes, and this is an Easter egg for listeners who've watched before. Trivia notes that this is not going to be the last time that one of Buffy's friends tries to bite off more than they can chew with the big bad, and then Buffy saves them. Oh, well, yeah. That's just par for the course, for sure. Um, So I think in another... Oh, sorry. You go. Um, I have a note about the fight between Buffy and Angel. Are you? Okay. Are we there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're there. I think the fight between the two of them. For some reason, I didn't really remember it, but this is a sweet fight. This choreography is really great. It feels really cathartic. Maybe I was just always so devastated by Jenny's death that I had checked out or didn't remember. But I didn't remember this fight scene being so great. They're in the. They're in the right. There's like. A little bridge thing that they yeah, start the fighting on, and there's yeah, yeah, it's cool. Well, when she comes in, she is not holding back. I mean, we thought that she was really wailing on him when they were in the rain by at the mall, but oh my gosh, you can tell she has those big kicks that you can just tell her what, just like oh yeah, really big. She is not holding back this time. It is an excellent fight scene, and I think in another episode we had talked about like. Or I think we talked about this in reference to Spike. Of like, so often we're like, wait, why does she let him go? Like, I, at this point, it's probably irresponsible that she hasn't killed Spike yet. But, you know. But with this, this time, with the way that this fight ends, it totally makes sense that she doesn't follow through with killing Angel. Because he's like, hey, you're old man. Which is also just like, wow, even Angel refers to him like mm-hmm. he's her father. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, total, totally makes sense. We all get it. He's... Yeah, he's her dad figure. Um, so obviously that makes sense. I obviously it would be great if she could just like take him out, save any more lives, or you know, if she could just like get it all done, but she understands as any good slayer would, you do have to prioritize. So it makes sense this time that Angel that, that Angel gets away. And the um right after this and the next scene between Angel or Giles and Buffy is so powerful. So Buffy guides Giles outside and they've gotten to relative safety and Buffy punches Giles and then she breaks down in tears and she says, I can't do this alone. Right. No, I I actually love that she hits him. Yeah. Because he is clearly. Yeah. It's that every so often that someone really does need to be physically snapped out of it. I don't always endorse violence, but every so often someone really is just like so, so out of it. Uh, you need to physically bring them back to reality. And I, mm-hmm. I, I do really love that she takes takes that out because this is not, this is not low stakes. Mm-hmm. So she, and she needs him. She's, you know, she's still young. And I, I, I just totally, I'm, I'm all with her that like, how how could you do this? How could you be so stupid 
But then also, of course, that like, I, I can't do this without you. And then both yeah. breaking down and then both holding on to each other. Yeah. 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 No, really, really, really beautiful. The next, the, we're getting to the closing of the episode and we see uh, Giles and Buffy looking at Jenny's grave. And I feel like we could have a whole episode just about this dialogue, just this raw scene between the two of them where Giles is just so devastated. And he says something like, I've seen a lot of people die, but nobody I loved. And and Buffy is carrying all this guilt because she knows that she had the chance to kill Angel, but she's ready now. And I just love this. It's so short, but I think so uh, powerful. Yeah, agreed. Although my first thought when watching this scene was, wow, they bury people real quick in Sunnydale. Yeah, I, yeah. I just had that thought as I was talking. Yeah, I mean, they did that of course, we quick. can assume that like, some time has passed. They got that tombstone and everything real fast, too. Right, like, exactly. Because I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe they, maybe it's, maybe they have some, it's been some time, but like, there's no way it's been more than a couple days. Like, based on Willow taking, you know, or, you know, maybe it was a Friday when all this went down. And so mm -hmm. now maybe it's Tuesday or something like that. But like, that was so really quick. <laughs> but I guess, I guess Sunnydale's really practiced. That's true. They might they have, have. They probably have. They might be efficient at burying people. Yeah, they probably have far more whatever services go into upkeep and burial and tombstones and stuff. Like, yeah, they probably have more per capita than most most towns would be my guess. And then last scene, we have some really painful, dramatic irony coming. Yeah, I wrote dramatic irony ever since we parsed out what exactly dramatic <laughs> irony was. Allie, I have noted every time it happens. Yeah, just yeah. So the as the stuff gets shuffled around on Jenny's desk and the floppy disk falls off, it was like all of us audience members were like, no, no. Well, and it's the of key. course as, as Buffy's audio comes over of like, I can't, I can't remember exactly what she says, but something like, you know, if only we knew what she was working on or uh-huh uh -huh. yeah 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 it's some it's some kind of like we'll, we'll have to figure something out or you know whatever and we're just like eh, she did all your work for you we're like god damn it yeah <sighs> i really love this episode a lot it's a great i think episode. this is one of the more popular ones what do you think i would say so just because a lot a lot happens. We get a lot of great performances. This episode really has it all. It has some like really great dramatic moments. It has that great fight scene. Um, I and I I do I continue to love David Borinaz as Angelus because it really does. I just love seeing actors play wildly different characters. So that transition mm -hmm. from or the contrast between Angel and Angelus is just really lovely, and we get more of the interplay with he drew and spike which is always entertaining mm -hmm. so yeah it's a really jam-packed episode mm -hmm. uh, i think the only piece of trivia that i have that we didn't cover already is that so um originally it was going to be oz who died and not jenny and then they saw the potential in oz's character and opted to kill jenny instead and then joss he who must not be named uh, intentionally had 
intentionally had Angel not feed off of Jenny because he didn't want there to be any doubt that she was dead, dead. Um, and he also wanted to send a message that nobody is safe. So, you know, they just killed off a main character like he wanted, you know, and goals accomplished all around, I think. Absolutely. And I do I, I do appreciate that choice. That's, that's a really good choice. And I think that's a really strong because uh, you'll see in a lot of long running shows that sometimes they are not so precious with the storyline of like, yeah, fuck it. We'll bring up bring we'll bring this character back. They were really definitively dead, but uh, I don't know. Magic. Time yeah, we'll travel, make it whatever. work. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll figure it out. Uh, no, I, I really respect strong choices like that or like TV shows that, you know, have a finite ending ending time, you know, despite being really yeah. popular. Um, yeah. I think that shows really in- real integrity for the characters and for the story because you're doing what's you're right so for the right. story, not trying to serve what like everyone thinks should happen or wants to happen um i think that you that's one of the really strong points about buffy because when you just try to please everybody you just end up watering things down and that's where you end up with shows like lost yeah that's a good (laughs) lost is a good example or uh heroes that's another good example of a show that was like so good and then it was like man y'all did the show dirty sure did yeah, I like even even when you're like, this is going to be fucking painful, man, this is going to destroy some people. It's yeah, it was right for the show. Well, and I've I've had the the opposite thing where like spoiler for Bones fans um, in one of the last seasons, they kill off a main character, but it's totally unjustified. It was very clearly a heavy handed. We need some drama. Mm-hmm. and and it came, came out of nowhere and i don't know if it was because the actor was leaving and they just had to like make something happen but they were like really clearly trying to make you kind of like what we said about like you know when the character says like oh i can't wait to retire next month like they really milked it with this character and him like getting back to with back together with his girlfriend and stuff like that and then he just like died out of nowhere so it was just like it's the total opposite where it was not motivated at all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it doesn't serve the story it doesn't serve the characters and it comes off just completely wrong so i think it's it's it, it, i mean that's what makes a good 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 writer good writing team is the big choices like that mm-hmm. i agree yeah well should should i wrap this up my friend i think we're ready I think so. I think that about does it for this episode. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for today's episode. And I really hope you'll join us next time for one of my favorite episodes, season two, episode 18, Killed by Death. Oh, that's another one of those. That's so brilliant. It's so I know. Bad. I know. This, oh, that, so that's excited. what I said about the season. The season is just so good. But in, so an, good. in a season of great episodes, this one is particularly a banger. Yeah, rings up there for sure. If you are just too excited to wait until the next episode to chat, send us an email at tabularasabpod at gmail.com. That is T-A-B-U-L-A-R-A-S-A-B-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can also say hello to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok at at tabularasabpod. And finally, it would mean the world if you would leave a rating and review for us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Allie, where can people find you on social media? People can find me on 
Instagram at daughterpick, D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-P-I-C-K. That's also me on Twitter. You can find me on TikTok at futureblackcat. And as always, if you'd like to toss me a few bucks, show some love, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Press A-L-L-I-E-P-R-E-S-S, or on Venmo, Allie-Press. And all of those social media handles are going to be in the description. Allie, I hope you have a delightful afternoon ahead of you. You as well, my dear Nicholas. And to all of you out there, we love you. Uh, Make proud choices. Make proud choices. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Tabula Rasa Bitches is hosted by Allie Press and Nick Mercer. With music by Inflaton Cult, artwork by Charlotte Fleming Design, and consultation by Evo Terra.